You're listening to Passion Pod 2 with Ben Williams. So, lovely Ben, um, an ultra mini resume, please. I currently work for a film producer. And um, what's your role? What are you doing for him? I'm his assistant, but it's a role that varies in its description depending on what's going on. Yeah, that's what I really love actually about your passion pod is that you're you know you're working within the industry that it's actually linked to. Which, you know, makes me think you must be pretty self-motivated, really. Well, I mean, at, at present, yes. But f- if you spoke to me pretty much all last year, <laughs> I would have said but no. Was that because but you'd that... done a lot of stuff the year before? Or... Well, before I went off on location on The Eagle, I made a short film called The Fan. So for the, the, the months I was away on The Eagle, I was editing it and everything. That and should then... work quite well, probably, to have that yeah, time. because, you know, there's like lots of evenings in hotel rooms sure. with nothing to do. So that, that worked really well. So I felt productive in both senses that I was on a film set and I was also doing of my own course. thing at my own time. And then I finished that and thought, oh, okay, what next? So then I made a short film, which I thought was going to be really, really easy to make. I didn't realise at the time it was quite experimental. It was a, a short film about a couple arguing over six months, but it ended up being so expensive because it was a really location intensive. And even though we only shot for two days, it was like I had to pay a hundred quid to get into a hospital it, it became way more expensive than I wanted so can I just ask if you don't mind are you financing these yourself the shorts yeah. yeah and you know I'm not deluded they all take place in London yeah and it all goes on in houses and parks <laughs> no sweeping fantasy sequences <laughs> or anything but I guess that's a way sweetie of making what you're wanting to do a reality well there's there's a bit of that like I wish that I could be a bit more imaginative and a bit less restrained I mean when I was at Bristol I ran the filmmaking society there we were incredibly open and inviting and we really loved it when people would come along and it was sort of like an itch that they wanted to scratch you know and then we'd say okay well come along to the screenwriters guild and love it um, glamour to the nth yeah, degree yeah exactly well, which was a name we nicked from another filmmaking society don't admit that my love sorry Come um, on. And do little writing exercises. And I just had a great time. And then the people who came along to that would then the next week sort of fess up. I've got an idea. And then we just encouraged them to write it. And it was such a great Wonderful time. Wonderful process. Yeah. And then they'd come back with these scripts. And invariably they were about rapes happening in the Sahara Desert or something. <laughs> and so I sort of got into this role of telling people, you know, have an idea. But if you ever want to make it, then it has to be plausibly doable. Which people have since proved you can do really creative and escapist type things on a very low budget but for most people they needed to be told uh, I don't know make your creativity exist in a sort of more plausible well I guess without sounding like some sort of granny it's sort of working within your means slightly yeah and I think that concept's quite difficult when you're talking in terms of creative stuff Mm. I think you don't want to almost say that because the whole idea is being able to be free and not have any boundaries and just go for it but actually making something a reality it's like okay I might have to make a bit of a compromise on where it's set or... So I, I sort of epitomised that thinking and I've gone so far the other way now <laughs> yeah. that I start by thinking, well, what could I do? And then I try and figure out a story that can sort of inflate within those confines. I don't know. It's very complicated. I'm, I'm sort of neurotic when it comes to things like that. Like on the fan, for example, I had the idea that I didn't want anyone I knew helping me on it. That I wanted it to be something that I was creating from like the first letter onwards that's a pretty big thing because I think often with stuff like that when you're working on a tight budget yeah 
you know, we all know what that's like. You know, you're calling in favours left, right and centre and... Yeah, you know. well, it was sort of more, as you were saying, like, you compromise on stuff. And when I made films with my friends, I would always compromise because I am so sort of concerned about them being bored or them feeling like that I'm taking advantage that I didn't want my head filled with all that stuff on the day. I um, guess it's a more realistic representation of you yeah, know, yeah. real film, real shooting, because... Yeah, because you, you need to be focused. Yeah. And and the funny thing was, in the end, on the fan, I made it pretty much mostly with all my friends. But it was a very good lesson to learn that instead of cajoling people to come and help, actually, if your idea is strong enough, it will attract people to it. Just to have the confidence to say, this is my idea, and then leave it there, rather than saying, this is my idea, it would be great if you could help, or please come and help, just 10 minutes, and then start bargaining. And that just, that just doesn't lead anywhere positive, I think. That's a massively um, useful piece of advice, though, because... Yeah, it's I that... think so. I mean, it's really helped. And it's the ultimate critique, I think. Because... But I think it's a very fine line, that, because I think sometimes when you tell too many people, mm. you know, and you become completely overwhelmed by, oh, well, actually, maybe they're right. And it's mm. like, oh, my gosh, where's my heart and head with it? I think that if people are telling you stuff that they have ideas about you have to be very good at deciphering what they're saying because it could be that the idea is no good and you have to be very good at understanding well are they telling you this idea for example they want to be a screenwriter or they would like to piggyback on your idea to for their own ends or actually and this is what I'm lucky enough to have they're telling me this because actually they are quite level headed but being aware as you're saying people's reasons for giving certain feedback mm. just in the back of your mind when you're listening to yeah. it I guess do you think that your job working in the film industry and then having that, you know, your short films as your kind of passion pod, they obviously massively complement each other. Would that be something you'd recommend as a real bonus? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I've met capable people and lovely people through it who help me make my short films now. And it's a full-time job in the film industry. But at the same time, if I didn't have any of that, I could have found people with equipment who are willing. There are networks in London. Um, I'm a member of one called OTT Films, where you sort of contribute and then receive your contribution back from other people in a way that sounds amazing yeah it's great um you can find rehearsal spaces you have to be a bit creative and i've got insurance to cover the shoot from the first google search result of film production insurance <laughs> oh, so, this is great this is like you know, in a nutshell how you film a short film that's well fantastic i mean there's answer. there's lots more in between I think so much of it, though, is putting yourself into the right environment, isn't it? Whether that's in a job, absolutely brilliant added bonus, or whether yeah. that's being members of certain things like you were just mentioning. Mm. I just think it's putting yourself in the environment you want to be in and actually yeah. not using it, if you're not, for whatever reason, not using that as an excuse because what you've just explained mm. is an absolutely fantastic example of how the reality of it shouldn't be dependent on that. It doesn't no. need to be. I think, I was thinking about this the other day, that, I don't know, this is getting a bit sort of philosophical now. Duh, but, I um, love the cheese, come on. Cheesemonger. <laughs> but I think there's, everybody has an opportunity in front of them that exists in the people you know. And it's just sort of finding out what that is. And I just felt recently that, that there was a lot more there in front of me than I was asking. Um, I absolutely empathise because this whole concept of these pods was exactly that, mm. is that you mix with a certain... Whether it's within, as you say, where your passion pod lies, I think you have a lot of people, by just literally putting it out there, by talking mm. to certain people who are key in your life, or even people, to be quite honest, that you don't expect to be the people that will react like they do. Yeah. I think that is the most underrated resource. And I just think that everybody... Probably what I meant to say in a more succinct way 
is that there is a mixture, a deployment of the people that you know that will create something awesome. And you just need to figure out what that is. But yeah, no, I've learned an awful lot. So, for example, I'm now making a series of short films. Tube Tube, we're calling it. Um, um, it. Which is sort of an evolution of what I was talking about, of like making things as doable and realistic as possible. So my idea is to make a series of short films that are sort of semi-improvised that are based on things that I and other people have seen on the tube, which sounds really wanky, if you pardon the French. But then the filmmaker steps in and takes these things that I've seen and then turns them into storylines. But from a production point of view as well, all the things that happen with short films is... Well, what generally happens with a short film is that there's this massive effort to get it shot get it actually filmed everyone clubs together it's this huge great undertaking and then at the end of it it's all filmed it's all in the can as they say love it techno speak yeah and then because everyone's worked so hard and you've gone from having like up to 30 people involved then just you and an editor and maybe a composer and then all of the momentum just stops and short films will languish in post-production for a year, two years or whatever, because it's hard. So my remedy to that on these films is that they're improvised. There's no editing because it's one camera, one, one shot. take, one, one take, shot. <laughs> one one take, one shot, yeah. And it has to be visually interesting as yeah. well. And so that's a challenge on lots of levels. But the great thing is I get home and there's I can't edit it. Is there anything you can think of that inspired this new approach? I've been reading books about, about people who worked on Saturday Night Live in the States and they always talk of their most sort of fulfilling period creatively is when they have deadlines to meet. So, so Saturday Night Live, they have a show every week and it's live and they have to create a half hour worth of sort of top grade comedy. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So this, I thought, well, that sounds great. And I wish it could work in the short film world. You know, where generally what people happen is they sort of remortgage their house. And well, I was um, going to say, and also, does it not take a lot of the pressure off it, as with anything yeah. like that? Because it's kind of like, yeah. you know, I've got to give it a while, otherwise I'm never going to know. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, we are meeting, I'm meeting the actors for the first time on Monday, and then we're going on the tube on Tuesday, and then it'll be out of my life by Wednesday morning. That's incredible. Whereas what about your other projects that you've done before? I mean, the pre-planning for... So the fan, I would have met them in January and we shot at the end of February. And then I edited for a year. Wow. So technically, you know, by the Wednesday or Thursday, it it could be up online and being shown to people. Yeah. It will be. If I want to say I direct short films, people will go, okay, we'll show us one of your short films. I've got one short film that I'll show people. You know, you have to do it regularly. And but I think the thing that's really key is, from what we've been talking about, is the, the, the practice, the experience, getting out there and trying it and giving it a go. Yeah. Because you're not going to know. And, like, if you hadn't had that longer process, perhaps, or the slightly different process for your last film, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I really enjoyed it, and I think it was necessary and worthy. But I also thought, at the end of the day, it was me building up to be a director on one afternoon. And this allows me to be a director once a week. Yeah. Or once a fortnight. But also, it makes you feel okay to make mistakes. And that's also very important when you're learning something, I think, to not have that sort of feeling that if you make a mistake, then you've wasted money and time. Because with this one, for example, I know that if I don't get it right, we've got another one queued up two weeks down the line, and then we've got another one behind that. 
following that Saturday Night Live kind of inspiration, yeah, actually, exactly. isn't it? exactly. And I don't have to be so precious about it. Are there any films, do you remember from an early age, being inspired by this? Was this always something you wanted to do? It's a weird mix. I mean, it sort of changes. I mean, I can pick out when I was doing A-levels, we did a whole unit on um, cineastas or auteurs, which in Spain is essentially Pedro Almodovar. And I was really, really influenced quite deeply about his sheer melodrama and how everything is so out of scale but as well manages to feel really plausible and then since then I don't know I really wish it wasn't so but I've just loved the Jason Bourne movies and that sounds like such a fanboy thing to say but I think Greengrass has taken a lot of the credit but Doug Lyman who directed the first one did something incredibly seismic to the thriller genre it's a, a great lesson actually because they were it was sort of an improbable success and the impact it had on films that are being made and me as well I just love it and then influences like The Wire for its plotting and storylining and this is again something that I should be better at whenever a filmmaker does a Q&A you should always go you always get great inspiration from them I saw Joe Cornish before Christmas at the London Screenwriters Festival and he was just talking about his approach to writing films and he was told by Edgar Wright that writing should never be a chore and little me in the audience thought well actually that's that's quite an amazing thing that you can take you know because for anyone who's doing something creative it should never be a chore really and I th- if you ever pollute it with a sense of obligation then it, you're harming the very instincts that make you creative I know but I have a real thing about the fine line of that because I think there is an element of which of course that's true because otherwise why are you doing it it's a passion you know mm. you're doing it because you want to be creative but I think within it often there are quite substantial challenges and I think trying to work out whether that's a challenge because that's just a challenge and it doesn't mean that you're loving what you're doing any less or whether yeah. that's actually this is really not this is taking away what I started doing this for no you're right it's just about hanging on in there because let's face it the reason we follow our passions is because we don't want to do a normal job and if you're feeling ugh about it then go and do a normal job it's got to be something enjoyable because otherwise you can't be passionate about it Um, so if I asked you what bit of advice you wish you'd been given hmm. would that be it do you think or is there any other bits and bobs that you think in your head no I think I would have probably told myself a few years ago that you just actually have to do it (laughs) and I used to tell it to people all the time there's never ever ever a good time to start doing something that is your own thing like literally never (laughs) Like, Don't we all know that far yeah. too well? It's like, that diet's definitely going to start on Monday. Yeah. Well, because at the moment, things are a bit out of yeah. work, and I just need to sort it. You know, there is never a good time, so why not now? You know, it's not hard, it's just you have to sort of do it. I put it off, and you put it off and put it off and put it off. Because that's the thing with the film industry, you only get somewhere if you self-motivate, I think. And there are people who are way more self-motivated than me, I think, who get to places for either deservingly or not. But I've just never really been like that. And as I was saying at the beginning, like I'm not as much of a self-starter as other film industry people I know. But I'm okay with that because I feel like being in this job for a long time, I'm sort of learning more, I think, than just following my sort of blazing whims and learning by making mistakes sort of gathering this vast amount of knowledge hopefully that maybe one day will be worth something you've been listening to passion pod 2 with ben williams <laughs>